LF podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not so hidden temptations. <laughs> we are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring people to the show who know what they're talking about and can help you with some of these aspects of your life. You only live once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Sochil Herrera Shear, who provides professional pattern making and fashion design services to businesses and individuals in the Chicago area and remotely to clients throughout the U.S. She made Chicago her home in 2003, moving from her hometown of Madison, Wisconsin. She is a BFA in fashion design from Illinois Institute of Art, Chicago, and graduate degree in entrepreneurship from DeVry University. So Chill is a detail-oriented, results-driven taskmaster and enjoys the analytic side of fashion, making products come to life through strategic sourcing and technical details. She has worked with numerous brands and designers to bring their concepts from sketch to reality. She has a strong skill set in technical design, pattern making, material sourcing, and production management. She has a keen understanding of the production process through working with various factories and being closely involved with clients throughout their development. Her background in tailoring and alterations has helped shape her skills in the garment fit and construction techniques. Specializing in pattern making both women and knit materials, she enjoys working in the contemporary ready-to-wear market. She also has extensive experience in athletic activewear performance, apparel for men, women, including swimwear and undergarments. So Chill enjoys learning from innovations and materials and applying them to new designs. She also loves working with complex items and non-apparel products like accessories and bags. She is currently serving as the Secretary of Board of Directors for the Apparel Industry Board of Illinois, AIBI, and is a proud member of the Seams Association, where she contributes to the newsletter column Millennial Corner. She loves being involved in local and domestic fashion community through promoting experiences, events, and professional development. She's also passionate about made-in-USA and ethical products sourcing and manufacturing. Sochil's work has been featured in Splash, Brava Magazine, Chicago Sun-Times, Moda Fashion Gazette, New York City, Chicago. She's also included in a segment on the ABC7 Chicago show, 190 North. She was honored to be named a Rising Star SPESA in 2021. So sit back, relax, enjoy this fun conversation with So Chill of the Chicago Pattern Maker. So today we're sitting down with So Chill Herrera Shear, the Chicago Pattern Maker. Yes. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm excited. Yeah, we're here at the Huxton doing a little interview. Busy as it gets around here, but it's Very exciting. Busy. <laughs> yeah, it's almost Chicago spring, so we're excited. Yes. So uh, tell us what you do in one to two sentences. Sure. So I have a pattern making business, product development business. I work with uh, clients who are designers, brands, and help them get their creative ideas translated into patterns, tech packs help them with fabric sourcing, and basically prepare them for working with a manufacturer for production. So if I get this right, you're kind of the step after I have an idea and getting it to production. Is exactly, that yep. okay. I take care of all the meat in between. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, like a lot of 
you know, both listeners and people I talk to are like, I want to start a business. I want to be a designer. And then, I mean, I know one person who did this who like just literally grabbed stuff out of her own closet and made stuff. But like everyone else is like, I want to make this design. Like you can't take like one piece of blue velvet or like felt like this store. Like, all right, I want to sell this now. Right. You have to have stuff figured out. So walk us through like that process. So let's say I wanted to start like my own fashion line, which I never will. <laughs> and I sat down, actually had the business plan, got stuff together. I have my money in place. I'm ready to go. What happens when I call you? How does that play out? So you're probably more prepared than a lot of people who oh, well. get in touch with <laughs> the business plan in place. I love to see that. Um, but the first step is we talk about their fabric sourcing, um, what they're looking for, figure out what their target market is. So obviously if you have a business plan and you've done that mm -hmm. research, that's great. Um, but I want to know what the price point is, obviously what type of garments we're making, types of fabrics. Uh, price points that you're planning to sell it so that I can work kind of backwards into what types of seams we're going to incorporate into your dress or your jacket, for example. Um, the sizing and fit plays into that as well as like the cost of the fabric that we source for you and all that to make sense so that you don't get through the entire thing and realize, oh, I have to sell this for four times more than I thought I was going to. I'm going to start, start in the beginning on the right track. Um, so fabric sourcing kind of leads off that process, um, identifying the vendors that you're going to work with. Um, we start with flat sketches first in the design phase. Um, some people grab stuff, like you said, with your friend out of their closet and they want to reference it. Um, some people sketch or some people have taught themselves how to sew and they put together you know, a very rudimentary prototype and they're like, this is what I'm going for, but I don't know what I'm doing. So whatever they give me, I kind of translate that, do flat sketches make sure they're confirmed, we're both on the same page, then we can go into purchasing the fabric, starting your tech pack, starting your, your pattern. Um, I work in CAD, so I'm drafting that in CAD on the computer using you know the measurement specs, either from combination of the fit model, which is sometimes the brand owner, sometimes they hire a fit model, um, just preferred. Yeah. Um, and then also referencing the garments, put together their pattern, and then we're sewing prototypes in-house. Okay. Definitely on that first round. Later, sometimes we sew them or we're working with a factory at that point to put together subsequent protos. But we go through kind of a rinse and repeat prototype, fit review, figure out what the revisions are until the client's happy. And then we start going into production. We grade the sizes, you know, help them purchase the fabric, how much, how many yards do they need to, to do that. And all the trims, interfacings, all those details come into play too. And so when a lot of people come to you, you were kind of like surprised I made the, like the comment about having a business plan. To that <laughs> point, are a lot of people kind of prepared for a process as long as you describe? Or are they usually prepared for like, I'm gonna come in, tell her this I want, she's gonna call me in two weeks, I'll have my store open by then, let's, let's just go. Right. A lot of people are shocked at how long product development takes. It's probably the biggest, like, oh my God, really? This could yeah. be like months or a year? Like, why? Um, it can go faster once you're established in your business and you have some existing styles that we can iterate from. But when you're first starting and you have no supply chain, no contacts, no anything, like giving yourself a year is, is a good idea because there's more to just making the clothes. Like, I don't do your website, I don't do, you know, all those other business activities that are also just as important, your logo development, trademarking, stuff like that, so. So how did you get into kind of this part of the, uh, the supply chain? What kind of was interesting for you there to stick there instead of doing your own thing? So I think like many people, so I went to fashion school, fashion design school, I think many people who go into school 
wanted to be a designer and yeah. I didn't really know any other jobs in the industry. But once I got into my classes, I really enjoyed um, sewing, which I'd learned previously, but I really found I loved the problem solving aspect of like drafting a pattern and figuring out how do I translate this idea, you know, from a 2D image or even like copy a garment and make it a size that I want or change features of it, stuff like that. Mm. So I found that really interesting. I consider myself more of an analytic creative versus cool. like a conceptual creative. So I, I love that, like love math, I like <laughs> figuring stuff out. So, and I saw around me that a lot of my classmates did not enjoy that. Mm -hmm. So I felt like, oh, I found my niche. Like this is what I should be doing. That makes sense. Like it's, I think a lot of, well, it's almost like the path of least resistance, right? Where <laughs> you know you're in the right industry we're gonna have the most success based on my strengths opposed to what I'm supposed to do right. or what everyone else is doing as well. I think a lot of people kind of don't understand that there's so many steps in like the fashion realm. A lot of people just kind of see like designer, high-end stuff, maybe they like go look like fashion week, like I'll just go there as a buyer. It's like, mm -hmm. Cool. I don't think you just get the job out of school like your no. boss. <laughs> Those people are there. They're holding on to those jobs really, really tightly. I think. <laughs> so yeah. So walk us through more kind of like your um, process after. So let's say you have like a full blown client. They're ready to go. How often are you meeting with them? It's like oh, a few months to a year is kind of the, the process. Yeah. And that's just to get started. Is that kind of the expectations that you're meeting on a regular basis forever? Or are you just kind of there in the beginning of it? How, what's the client relationship with you like? It varies. So with a new person, I'm usually more um, hands-on and they want me to stay on, like even as they start working at the factory, like, hey, can I send you my samples? Let's measure them. I want you to help me answer the questions that the factory has. So I'm a lot more involved. Um, in the development process, we're typically meeting every two weeks to a month, depending mm -hmm. on like how many styles they have, how quickly we're turning around in between, but pretty regularly um, for prototype reviews. And even sometimes like we've sourced fabrics and then they're like, let me put them all out on the table for you and help me choose like what's gonna work best for my design. So there's lots of touch points, definitely. Um, once you're established in your business, you know, people come back for further development. They're not, you know, training to be a pattern maker. They're running their business, okay. but they still have new styles that they want to create. So I have repeat people who come back season after season, mm -hmm. like, okay, we're working on three pieces, working on five, 10, whatever. Um, so that's great. And they start to have a library of styles that makes developing new stuff a lot easier. And then we can really go season by season um, more quickly. And sometimes at that point, they have such a great relationship with their factory that I'm not sewing a prototype or maybe we're only doing one and then we're sending it immediately for the factory to work awesome. on it. So, so you kind of like... We're doing like the pattern and the tech pack only and like, here you go. Cool. So like yeah. you're, you have like a lot of interaction then followed by just kind of supporting along the way. Exactly. And you were talking about too how depending on the pattern, it matters for the seam, the sewing, like the fit. How does that all come into play? Like I think a lot of people just think of a pattern like, oh, just slap it on like how do you how does the pattern take in consideration different cuts in the seams sure so i have to take into consideration what the fabric is different fabrics prefer different types of stitching um something that's linen is going to be totally different from something that's like a stretch poly spandex garment so taking that into consideration the functionality or durability of the seam um depending on what its you know use is mm -hmm. is it like a ready to wear 
dress that maybe doesn't need to be super durable or is it like a work pant that has to be durable mm -hmm. so that type of thing and then of course price point like a french seam is going to be more expensive in production versus like a serge seam so depending on all of those you know criteria we can suggest like this will work better or this might save you money if you're looking to knock a couple dollars off your production price cool. and then so in the supply chain are a and the majority of your clients, I'm assuming all or none is not like a good question, but a lot of your clients, are they getting the sewing done at the factory or are they doing it themselves after they get the yards of fabric? Most are working with factories. I do have a couple people who sew themselves or they might have a very tiny team that's mm -hmm. doing it themselves. So, but I'd say the majority are working with like a cut and sew contractor. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And so you're kind of the one guy in those relationships. But they're actually, are you managing them or are they managing those relationships? They're managing them, although, like I said in the beginning, mm -hmm. I kind of help them establish that. Right. So, but I do want to give them the tools, like here's the, you know, the lingo that you need to know, these are the questions you need to ask so that they can manage it effectively themselves. I don't want to be the hand holder or like a gatekeeper. Full I want to, yeah. you know, help them, train them, still support them in their development needs, but allow them to, you know, do that on their, on their own. Cool. So when someone comes to you with you know, their idea, et cetera. What's the difference between like an ideal client and a not so ideal client that maybe you turn away? Mm -hmm. Even if you <laughs> talk about the business plan, but I mean, there's other things to it, right? There's like Absolutely. people who have like, I don't know, you, you can have the answer. I have a bunch of guesses, but like, what do you kind of look for in like a new client that's actually worth your time? Cause it seems like you're agreeing to a year plus relationship out the bat, not just 15 yeah. minute meeting and give me 20 bucks. See you later. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking for, you know, a long-term relationship with this person. Mm -hmm. So, um, I get lots of inquiries every single day. So I'm sifting through like, what are they writing? Um, a good one will send me like a creative brief of some kind. It might be like a PowerPoint mm -hmm. or even just a quick word doc or even a photo album or a couple of images to be like, this is what I'm doing. So at least I get that initial like, okay, I see what track you're on. I know what you're, what you're thinking. Um, and they also give me usually more detailed information on like, I'm starting a women's wear line and I want to make dresses and jackets or, you know, they tell me a little bit about it or maybe they talk about I don't know, their sustainability goals or things like that. That's actually something I ask for in my uh, my web form is like, are you interested in ethical manufacturing or domestic production? Because those are something that's very important to me. Um, it's not necessarily a, a no if you don't want to manufacture in the US, but it definitely helps I have a good, good relationship with people here. Um, things that I definitely run away from are when people are just super vague and can't seem to answer even like the basic form or they say like, oh, I'm making something sexy and classy. And then like, that's it. They don't tell me anything else. <laughs> like, good for you. Okay. <laughs> um, don't know enough information and they might have more to say, but if you can't like, to me, if like you can't give me at least a little bit, a nugget of something that's gonna pique my interest, then you get lost in the pile, unfortunately, and that's, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's like, <laughs> super like coincidental. I was watching like a rerun of a project we're in way today over lunch, and it was the designers' moms came in, and then each of the designers did, had, they all shifted whose mom was their client. Okay. So it was like, your mom was like my client. And one of the moms just could not communicate what she wanted. She kept just like talking in circles. Like, I don't like dark colors, but I like purple and black. And I want something <laughs> sexy that covers me up and that I can wear on the beach, but also at night. And the guy's like, like 
what? What? <laughs> what, what do you do with that? Yeah. I've actually had like some meetings where at the end of a meeting or the end of a call, I'm like, you're not ready yet. Like you think you might be ready, but you don't really know what you want yet. Like go back and I'll give them kind of homework to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to try to put them on the right path, whether or not I am the one that ultimately works with them or not. Like put together your mood board, put together like a stylist, figure out what you like and don't like and like put that in writing. Otherwise, how are you supposed to communicate that to anyone else? And how, like, I'm not in your head. I don't know what you want, but I'm gonna try to figure it out. I just don't want that to be a painful process. (laughs) It's really good advice for them too in general. Like as a designer, like at some point, you need to explain your designs to other people to like work on them or to bring them to fruition. Right. And the first step is like your pattern maker. They don't get it. No one else is gonna get that. Right, yeah. <coughs> like, we're gonna be going through iterations. I don't want the iterations to be because I didn't understand what you wanted. I want it to be like, we're nailing the fit. We're, you know, making this a good garment, not like, we don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, a lot of your clients kind of like big end celebrities or just like up and coming people or. I work with a few influencers. Yeah. That's not like th- most of the people I work with, <laughs> but there are a few. Um, so that's kind of fun um, to see them shifting a lot of times from like a brand that they've established, mm-hmm. you know, their personal brand they've established on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, and now they're figuring out a, a product that makes sense for them. So that's fun. Um, most of them are startup brands though. So they're, you know, regular people who have had an idea and whether it's a collection or whether it's a, a functional product of some kind that they were trying to solve a problem for, mm-hmm. um, that's a lot of fun. Cause I get to, again, the problem solving aspect comes into play. It seems like a lot of fun. It seems yeah. like it's a little bit different for each client and every day, you know, work on something. And then you have like an endpoint where it's like, took on this problem, Put out the solution, we got it back, and the client's right. happy. And now it's like, oh, cool, I can deal with this. And, yes. and some of my friends, I've you know purchased some clothing from like designers I know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to get this. And I get that, and I'm like, oh, can't believe I spent 125 dollars on this. It's like, disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like they're not like trying hard, but it's also like, you know, you just did this, this, and this. I'm like, can you know, try a little bit harder if you're gonna. Right. Sell me hard by my box. But um, it is what it is. I think people's creativity really comes out in fashion, and it's great. You're kind of the gateway there. Yeah. And so kind of to that point, are you just like working as your, on your own? Do you have a team working with you? What's kind of your business model around that? So for many years, it was a one-woman show, just mm-hmm. me doing everything. Um, now, in the last, I guess, like five, six years, I have a small team, so I have... Um, one full-time designer who helps me with tech pack sewing, um, that type of stuff. Eventually, we'll train her into doing some pattern revisions, but that's something I love to keep, yeah. you know, myself. That's my favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a part-time also designer. She does more of like the creative design, assortment planning, um, as well as tech design. And then I also have a virtual assistant to help me just manage like scheduling and all of that type of stuff because there's just too much to keep on top of. <laughs> I think a lot of people are super judgmental. People who have assistants, like, oh, you have an assistant. <laughs> it's like, it frees up so much of your time. It's necessary. It really is. I mean, I wouldn't be able to work on as many products um, or projects, clients, if I didn't have a team. So um, I do want to keep it kind of small and tight. I feel like I might add a couple more people in the coming year or so. But because I do love pattern making and I don't want to be just like the boss of 
you know, and not doing the skill, I, I'll probably keep it a small team. But that's refreshing to hear. I think a lot of people who have businesses, like, I just want to be a CEO and put my feet up and collect all the money. <laughs> and I ask that all the time. So people used to come to me all the time for like building an app advice because I was in tech for so long. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, um, I'm like, I want to be a CEO. Like, are you really like, like first question, like how many books did you read this month? What do you mean how many books? Well, the average CEO reads one a month. That's like the least you can do is just learn how to ruin business and how to manage people. Mm-hmm. And then when you'll raise money, assuming you will, because you want to have this huge company, are you okay reporting to other people? Right. You know, you're the boss. You're the boss, but <laughs> the money came from all these people. Yeah. They want to know what's going on. Yeah. And I think to, to your point too, like a lot of aspects of like building companies are like the creative part that people enjoy. Like you lose sight of that when you become the CEO of a 40 person company because you're dealing with non hands-on stuff. Exactly. Anymore. Yeah. Like I could grow, I could hire 50 people and probably employ them all and everyone be busy, but I'd be just in charge of managing all of those people, making sure the business was running and I wouldn't get to do like what I love. And so kind of that point too, that's kind of like your long-term goal then is just keep it small, keep it interesting, be very hands-on yeah, and then just kind of be the guiding light for all the up and coming designers. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cool. So you said you also are a teacher as well. You're teaching these yes. days. And where so are you teaching? I'm teaching at Columbia College Chicago. Okay. And right now I'm just teaching one class. In the fall, I'm adding a second class. So it'll be interesting how my schedule okay. <laughs> kind of changes there. But yeah, so it's newer to me. I'm in my second year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm teaching a senior level class. It's a capstone called Concept to Consumer. Cool. And what's cool about it and what attracted me to it was that it's basically my job in a class format. So we're teaching the students how to work with a real brand. Like we find a brand partner and they mm-hmm. come in. They learn all about their target market, what they're doing in their business. And then they help pitch and create products to add to their collection. So it's like what I do but in a class and I it's fun and that's one of the things I appreciate a lot about the fashion world here in Chicago is they take Mm -hmm. a lot of people I've met that are professors are coming from real world experience not Mm -hmm. just academia like they took 87 years of college credits and now they're like oh I know what I'm doing it's like I literally do this like during the week outside of the class here so when something I know happens, like I can teach it in my right. class. And it didn't happen like 10 years ago. It's happening today. Like I'm keeping up on it because I do it every day. Yeah. yeah. And that's not the fun part too. Like, I think being in fashion, it's like a very competitive business. And we were talking yes. before, like a lot of people have opinions on things, just finding what your niche is. Like that's what I'm excited about too. Like I have friends like, are you ever going to New York? I'm like, no, I hate that city. Like why? I'm like, it's very big. Like, do I want to be like a little minnow in like an ocean, or I can be like a fish that people can catch once in a while, like in a medium pond? Absolutely, (laughs) yeah. I feel like the Chicago community exists. Like, I think as a young person or someone moving to the city, maybe it takes a little hard, harder time to find it. But it's definitely here, and I feel like people are gainfully employed uh, easier, I guess, than in New York or LA. There's, like you said, big fish in a. or a small fish in a big pond yeah. type of thing. Like, <laughs> it's like you get lost in the mix and like, okay, I could hire you or like I'm going to turn around and hire this person tomorrow and there's no consideration here. I mean, also the Midwestern attitude. I think like people are tend to be more friendly, neighborly. They want to help you. Um, if you don't have a connection, they're like, let me introduce you to my friend. There's a lot of that. Yeah, that's pretty much like how we met. You know, we were at Absolutely. the same table as someone else. Like, I want to meet you. I'm like, oh, me? And you're like, oh, we're talking about you. Like, okay, great. 
appreciated. <laughs> yes, that's great. I but, love that. But that's not the best part, right? I think I think there's a lot of opportunity for you know the fashion realm here in Chicago, and like the more connections I make that I like support of, and like vice versa for you, is just like. It makes things just like a better environment for everyone. Yes. And I never like tell anyone like, you know, don't go to New York, don't go to LA. I'm like, sure, get out of here. Like that's what you want to do. I'm not your dad. <laughs> like but I just think there's a lot of opportunity for people to like really be successful here. I think that's kind of what we're both shooting for is kind of supporting from that perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot to learn, lots of good people and lots of support. I also think people are more willing to like collaborate across the industry as well. So I love that. Uh, there's other pattern makers in the city but I don't feel like any of them are like oh I can't talk to you because we do the same thing like we'll collaborate we'll send people you know business to each other if I can't take something or it's not my like market or something Mm -hmm. like that like hey go call these people and I love that yeah it's like such a nice way to like handle things like I've always do competing for the same people like I miss those days like going to networking events and like all 17 people in the room are like insurance salesmen (laughs) they just see one guy a new guy walk in and it's like oh why does everyone want to talk to me (laughs) jump on that one person (laughs) if you heard about insurance no I've never heard of insurance (laughs) never (laughs) yeah so uh, let's say someone wanted to get in touch with you Mm -hmm. they had their ideas in place either they have a business plan or they don't or they have some things in line what's kind of like the best way to get a hold of you and you kind of mentioned you had like a web form as well how could they get their hands on that yeah some people um will dm me that's fine for like a quick question type of a thing but i'll usually direct them to the website Mm -hmm. so it's social.com it's x-o-c-h-i-l.com slash contact for the contact form and it just is like a series of like informational questions i don't know how many styles you're doing what season it's for your price point um you can upload files stuff like that so you don't have to give me everything but again like enough where i can understand what the vision is and be interested and then my assistant nicole will set up a phone call for you we'll talk kind of go through the process answer questions then our first step, once we've decided this is a good fit, you feel like it's a good fit, I do too. Um, we set up a design meeting and that's where we like sit down in person if you're local or fly in, but I meet virtually with people around the country too. So either way, but we sit down, talk style by style, all the details, figure out what's the fabric, like what size is everything and go into zippers, buttons, you know, design details, everything. And from there is where I can, can create like the project plan. Like here's what the next you know six months to a year looks like. Um, we don't know what that's gonna look like, but we can at least like start that process. We know we're gonna need a minimum of like two rounds of prototyping um, and we can start there. Some people go into third round, fourth round, et cetera, but you never know until until you're there. Yeah. <laughs> but that's where we lay the groundwork and kind of create the, the project scope to get started. Cool. So anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with before we sign off? Uh, good question. <laughs> um, be persistent, but also, um, I guess, don't hold back. Like if you are looking for a powder maker or service provider, I think some people tend to be secretive um, and that's maybe why they don't want to fill out the entire form or give me images right off the bat and I understand it's your baby, it's your business that you're starting, but um, keeping in mind like I'm here to help you and I want to find out you know just as much as you do like is this a good fit and it's you know I don't want to waste people's time or have people um, I don't know not get what they're looking for so the best way to do that is just be like open with with what you're looking for and 
I'll be open right back. <laughs> Perfect. Let's wrap up that. Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Bites Asian Kitchen and Tropical Bar. The best of times are always shared at the table. Superb Asian food and tropical cocktails. Paradise also awaits you at Bites. We at Bites believe that food is more than merely a part of survival. It is our passion. It has the power to transcend languages, cultures, and ethnic backgrounds. Through food, we share our culture with new friends and old. We share a piece of who we are, and by coming together for meals, we try good stories while creating new ones. At Bites, we want to celebrate cultures from around the world. We've been inspired by Thailand, China, Japan, and more. We're also excited by the opportunity to continue creating new recipes. Food is always better when shared amongst friends, and that is how we shape our menu. With creative cocktails and a menu that constantly evolving, a new story awaits you at Bites. And probably me. <laughs> Clarification, moved away from the Buddha, moved on over to the Rose Cava. You know, gotta get this body back in tip-top shape to be a male model. Please stop by and join us at Bites. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.